0: Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. This week we take a tour of the splendid gates of Jerusalem. Welcome to the Shalom Y'all Ministries podcast. I am your co-host, Adam Kime, along with my good friend, Dr. Daniel McCabe. So Daniel, how soon was it this year until your March Madness bracket got busted?
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I, I didn't make a bracket this year, but it would have been a busted bracket pretty early on because my two favorite teams both went out in the first round. The Yellow Jackets of Laterno University, my alma mater, they fought hard, but they lost by 12 in their first round conference tournament game to the east texas baptist tigers in ncaa division three play did i say that right ncaa division three play Um, not even division one but so i've adopted my texas a&m aggies for division one play and they fell by 17 to a scrappy penn state team so anyway you look at it it was a tough tournament season for me how about you
0: you know i did fill one out just for the fun of it um, usually I'm actually pretty good at the March Madness bracket, even though I don't really uh-huh. follow college basketball that much. I seem to do pretty well in the brackets this year. It was a disaster.
1: <laughs> I, I had, think it was a disaster for most people though. My son, it, yes it was. my I, middle boy so. did it. It was terrible. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We're in good company. i mine's been completely busted for a while, but I'm still in like the top 80% of the country. <laughs> that says a lot. I had Kansas and Purdue. Uh, they both went out pretty quickly. Purdue only just a nod to the big 10. Um, gotcha but yeah it was a disaster but anyway not a disaster shalom y'all ministries our mission is to teach and encourage those who love the bible the land of the bible and the people of the land in addition to all the teaching that we do in this ministry we also lead tours to the nation of israel so listeners you too can experience the land personally if you'd like to join us someday so reach out to us for more information on how your group can experience the land of Israel firsthand. So before we get into the main topic this week, we always start each episode with a look at whatever piques our interest from the land of Israel or anywhere in the Bible. Daniel, what do you have for us for today?
1: Adam, six weeks from today, I'm flying out to Israel with a wonderful group of folks from Glen Rose, Texas. So I'm in pretty good spirits these days. You want to come with us? I would love more than anything to come with you. I wish I
0: could this time around. It'll have to wait for a future trip.
1: Okay, well, one day we will. Now, on every tour I take to Israel, I always make it a point to visit the famous Western Wall in Jerusalem at sundown on Friday night to people watch. You'll see hundreds or perhaps even thousands of worshipers, some in their finest, most in their finest, praying at the outdoor synagogue that's in front of the wall Men in the large section on the left and women in the much smaller section on the right. You'll see all kinds of people, young ones with backpacks, soldiers with rifles, men in long black coats, all dancing and singing sometimes together at the Kotel, which is Hebrew for the wall. And if you listen carefully, you can hear a siren at sundown that's announcing the start of the Sabbath. And at that point, be prepared for a reprimand from bystanders at the hotel. If you pull out your camera or cell phone to take a picture, that's considered work and it's prohibited. But it's an amazing place and time to be at the hotel on Friday night on a Sabbath evening. And you, you can mark your calendars on May 19th, around 11 a.m., which is 7 p.m. Jerusalem time. I'll wave to you for the Western Wall. Hopefully you'll be able to see me. There are webcams that you can find on the internet. I'm going to mention one here in a second. And some of them turn off during the Sabbath, but see if you can find me. But there is one at earthcam.com, and you can just go there anytime. Even now, you'll find a webcam that's directly on the Western Wall. You go to earthcam.com, you type in Israel in the search box, and you'll be able to see the Western Wall and hopefully me on the 19th. By the way, there are six other webcams in Israel that that site will show you, including a webcam of a ski lift at a resort in Mount Hermon in northern Israel. And one of my favorites, a webcam at the Garden Tomb in Jerusalem. So, Adam, if you know of another webcam or any of our listeners know of one or find another webcam that's not listed on earthcam.com, I'd love to hear about it. So just send us an email shalom y'all ministries at gmail.com or you can you can find a contact us box at our website shalom y'all ministries no apostrophe no spaces shalom y'all so we'd really like to know i know i would i'd like to keep track of that and take a peek live into israel anytime i want well daniel one of my favorite
0: books which books of the bible you're talking that's a 66 way tie for first place pretty much right but one of my favorite books in the bible is genesis i love pondering what it was like in the earliest days of the universe you know i i'd like to share a helpful way uh, to consider the state of our world when god created it you may have heard it said that God created the world with the appearance of age. I've, I've heard that uttered several times. Um, but I think that can be somewhat of a misleading notion, as if God made the earth to simply look a lot older than it is, or you know, to correspond with a theory of theistic or macrobiological evolution or something like that. But I want to challenge you to think about, you know, mankind, Adam and Eve, that God created in an adult state. They were fully grown when God created them. And plants yielding seed and trees already bearing fruit, along with fully grown animals. You know, you wonder why was it that way? Why did God do it that way? Well, simply, I think it was to suit God's purposes for the creation. The apex of the created order was God's own image bearers, mankind. To us, he entrusted dominion over the earth as his representatives. You see, it simply would not do to wait around until infant Adam and baby Eve could grow up and begin their work. So the best way to think about the world then, I think, is that when, it, when God created it, he didn't do it with an old appearance, but in a mature state, a fully grown state, the earth and the universe itself. That's also why starlight could appear right away. You know, that's a matter that has confused many, uh, since light from faraway stars can take hundreds of years to reach us. But making their light appear right away wasn't just something God did for the fun of it. There was a purpose to it all. The point is that God created everything already in a mature state. Why? Why? so that humanity could kind of hit the ground running, so to speak, and have a move-in-ready environment to live, work, and worship God, to function the way that God wanted them to. But an important thing to remember is that the creation of the world, as we read about it in the early chapters of Genesis, it was a miraculous event. and That's very important to remember. You, you can't parse the miraculous scientifically. That would be like explaining the feeding of the multitude or the the raising of Lazarus along scientific means. But God did not need to follow preset scientific rules while ordering the universe, although he certainly set the laws of physics in place as he created. So that's just a fun teaser, and I think that we must consider things theologically before we do so in any other way. Daniel, what do you have for this week's trivia question?
1: Well, I have a simple question, really uh, a common question that comes to my mind when I think about Jerusalem because I love the city, the old city in particular, and the gates. Whenever we go on a tour of Israel, I always try to take people in every one of the gates or at least as many as I can. There are actually quite a few exterior gates in the walls of the old city of Jerusalem today. Some are ancient and some are modern. Some are open and some are sealed shut. And depending on how you count them, there are a dozen or more. But here's my question Which of the following, I'm going to give you four, but which of the following is not one of the present gates of the old city? Is it Holda, Lions, Garden, or Damascus Gate? Holda, Lions, Garden, or Damascus Gate? Which of the following is not one of the present gates of the old city? We'll have the answer for you later in the podcast.
0: Psalm 122 says, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. Jerusalem's gates are more than just passageways. They are significant to the identity of the city itself. So as we talk about the gates of Jerusalem this week, I'd like to highlight two of them. The first one I'll talk about is the Jaffa Gate. I'll begin with that because, well, It's my favorite one. (laughs) It's my favorite because it tugs on my heartstrings. The Jaffa Gate has been my first entrance into the old city on each of my visits. You approach that beautiful limestone gate and feel like you're traveling through history. But first, why the name Jaffa Gate? It was very common in the old days to name a gate after where that direction would take you as you leave a city. Jaffa or Joppa was a very important place in Israel. It was the primary port to travel to other places in the world. You would head west out of Jerusalem through the gate on your way to Jaffa. The same is the case for the Grand Damascus Gate on the north end of Jerusalem. The gate that stands today, Jaffa Gate, was constructed in the 16th century under Suleiman the Magnificent as is most of the current walls surrounding the old city. However, much of that construction is known as secondary use by utilizing stones from Jesus' Jerusalem after they had been torn down by the Romans and over time. Suleiman came along, the Ottomans came along, and they took all those stones, huge rocks and Herodian ashlers, and they rebuilt the walls with them. So some of them are upside down and stuff if you to look at the wall today. So even though the walls are, we'll call them modern, being almost 500 years old, much of the material has actually been around since biblical times. So passing through Jaffa Gate brings you into the Christian quarter, right by Herod's old palace and the Tower of David, although that actually has nothing to do with David himself. It's really the remaining portion of the Tower of Phasael that Herod built. Jaffa Gate will be on your way to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and close by is also my favorite coffee shop in the world, Daniel, the Christ Church Coffee Shop. That's right off the plaza as you cross through the Jaffa Gate.
1: Yeah, you told me about that, I think, the last before the last trip that we took, and so I took my group in there, and they had not only coffee, but they have a, a place, too, where you can get some food, and it was fantastic, so thanks for the tip. Yeah, it's more than just a coffee shop. It's a
0: cafe. They have great pastries. And in the back, I don't know if you made your way there, in the towards the back of the building, they have a really nice model of Old Jerusalem. It's really there, cool. Right there at the coffee shop? Yeah, but it's through kind of a, as you enter in and you know where they have the counter and you place you order the coffee. Behind right. that a ways, there's a doorway into another big room that sometimes they open up for diners at, at lunch or dinner time. Uh, but in the back there, there's a really cool model of Old Jerusalem.
1: So if I asked about it, will they let me see it, you think? No, I'm sure of it. Okay. Maybe if you buy a coffee. <laughs> I'm sure I will. Well, not coffee, but I'll buy something there. I'll let you buy the coffee.
0: Sounds good. <laughs> so the Christian quarter that the Christchurch coffee shop is in was, in Jesus' day, it was outside the first century walls of the city when our Lord was crucified for our sins. So that's just one of the reasons also why the Church of the Holy Sepulchre as the place of the cross works in in that regard. It was outside the city at the time. The other gate I'd like to highlight for you quickly is the Zion Gate. Now, there's a lot more I could say about Jaffa, but we'll turn south to the Zion Gate, also constructed in the 16th century, in the far southwest corner of the city. In Arabic, it is called the Gate of the Jews, as it leads you primarily into the Jewish quarter. Like the Jaffa Gate and many others in antiquity, The interior of the gate complex is L-shaped in order to make entrance more difficult for an invading army. I remember once seeing an embarrassed driver get his car stuck while taking too wide of a turn to get through it. But the most notable feature of the gate today, the Zion Gate, is that the outside face of it is riddled with bullet holes. And that's due to the Israeli fighters in 1948 that assaulted it in order to free the Jewish quarter that was under siege during the War of Independence. So that gives the gate another nickname, the Wounded Gate. Now, Israel has never fixed those bullet holes. They leave them as a testament to the great cost that was paid during the fight for independence. So that's a brief primer on the Jaffa and Zion gates. Daniel, which ones would you like to discuss?
1: Well, we only get to pick two for this particular time <laughs> period that we have. And so I'm going to talk about the Dung Gate and the Eastern Gate, but I, I'd love to be able to talk about all of them. And I'll I'll tell you how you can read about all of them later. There are just too many. But first of all, the Dung Gate, it, it's an awful name for a gate, first of all, but <laughs> – Beautiful place. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but just as churches today need both preachers to share the gospel and custodians to take out the trash, so did the temple. The modern gates, named for an ancient gate in Jerusalem mentioned in Nehemiah two thirteen, that Levites who are the helpers to the priests evidently used to carry refuse from the temple to the city dump in the Hinnom Valley that was outside the city walls, of course. Cut into the Old City Wall just south of the Western Wall, this modern gate has other more pleasant names. For example, it's sometimes called the Gate of the Moors, named for Muslim immigrants from North Africa who used to live in this part of the city. Or it's sometimes called Silwan Gate because it exits into a Muslim neighborhood by the same name. The Dungate Gate of today is a normal-sized gate, but it wasn't always. The gate was actually widened in 1952 to allow vehicles into the old city, but the original gate was more of a hobbit-sized gate known as a postern. Posterns are smaller, secondary gates that can be concealed from the view of those outside the wall, thus enabling those inside the wall to launch surprise attacks against besieging armies or to escape the city altogether, perhaps, when they're surrounded. The ancient gate in this part of the wall was once actually a postern gate. And so 1 Corinthians 10.13 now comes quickly to mind, which reads that God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted or tested beyond what you are able, but with the temptation or test will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now your enemies and my enemies aren't usually besieging armies, but we do fight enemies like pride, lust, or selfishness. And whatever struggles you face, and we're all surrounded at times by difficulties and temptations, I want to encourage you to look for the postern gate that God has prepared for you, a way of escape. You're not helpless in the face of temptation and trials. God has provided a gate of escape for you if you'll just trust And then the second gate, the Eastern Gate, that I want to mention. This gate is arguably the most photographed gate in the world, and without doubt the oldest gate in the old city's walls. In 1999, our tour group was able to get within a few feet of this gate. It's a double gate from the outside. And although then and even now protected by a small iron fence, some of our group members nevertheless jumped the fence so that they could touch the gate, but these days, you can't get anywhere near the Golden Gate, as it's sometimes also called. And that's a story for another day. It's also called the Gate of Mercy, or at least the southern arch of that gate is. And then the northern arch is called Repentance. It was built approximately 700 years after the time of Jesus, directly over the remains of an earlier gate that was used to enter the temple courtyard.
0: Hey, Daniel, you know that earlier gate you mentioned? Yeah, I have a picture I'll have to show you that was taken of that earlier gate. A photographer that snuck up to the modern one, fell down through the ground, had his camera with him, photographed that old gate, and got his way out of there. And they filled that hole back in.
1: Yeah, I've actually heard that story. And it's been a while, but I I think I've seen those pictures. And there's kind of a question about whether he was actually seeing the the arch of the gate or right, yeah. the arch of a stairwell. But yeah, those are fasting. I'd love to look at those again. But in any event, the, the Jews believe that one day the Messiah will enter through this eastern gate to redeem them. Christians accept Jesus as the Messiah. And most Christians believe that it's through this gate that he will enter at his second coming. Muslims believe that the final resurrection and judgment will take place here. And so this gate, for all three monotheistic faiths, it holds enormous significance. The gate was sealed by the Arabs in 810 AD or so to deny unsupervised access onto the Temple Mount by unbelievers. Although the gate was unblocked for a time during the Crusader period, each year for the celebrations of Palm Sunday and the exaltation of the cross at the close of the crusader period in the late 12th century, the gate no longer served any religious or practical purpose and has remained closed to this day. But the inhabitants of Jerusalem should never take their eyes off the Western slope of the Mount of Olives for one day, Jesus will return there and make his way toward the city to reign as king. What a day that will be. Let's return to our trivia question from earlier. You'll remember I asked, which of the following is not one of the present gates of the old city today? And you might have even heard a clue or two. And our descriptions today that could help you with the answer, but which of these four that I'm listing here is not one of the present gates of the old city, Hulda, Lions, Garden, or Damascus? Do you know, Adam? I do. I've yeah. been
0: to three of these gates. One of them I haven't
1: been to, so by process of elimination,
0: I know this one.
1: Yes. Well, the answer, of course, is the Garden Gate. Yep. There- there was a garden gate in Jesus' day near the crucifixion site. It's not visible today to, uh, well, you can see some of the archaeological ruins perhaps that are related to, or archaeologists think are related to the garden gate, but it's not visible to, to folks just walking along in Jerusalem. The sealed Holda gates can be seen on the south wall of the Temple Mount just below the Al-Aqsa Mosque. So that's the Holda Gates. The Lion's Gate or Stephen's Gate on the northeast side of the city is used heavily today for both vehicle and foot traffic. And the Damascus Gate, which was mentioned earlier, uh, is a beautiful gate. It leads out of the old city to the north. And if you wanna read more about the gates of the city or just want to learn some of uh, the, the history through pictures, you can go to our archives page on our website at shalomyalministries.org. Again, no spaces or apostrophes, shalomyalministries.org. And you'll find a weekly series on the gates that we started back in March 12th of 2022. And again, you can read all about that and see some pictures. We have two upcoming trips this summer. Uh, I mentioned that I'll be leaving six weeks from today for a trip to Israel in May, and that's a closed group. But our June 5th through 16th trip is still open. So if you'd like to go, I've got a wonderful itinerary for that trip. You can email us at shalomyalministries at gmail.com. And I'd love to include you as part of that. We'd love to have any of y'all join us for that trip or maybe any future trips or some future trip you'd like to, to organize through our ministry. And we'll help you do that. And it'll change your life. Absolutely, positively will change the way you read your Bible and experience the Lord in worship.
0: Yes, it absolutely will. It has for mine, it, it has for yours as well, your perspective and and your just ability to kind of understand more of the background information that goes in to the writing of the biblical books. And listeners, thank you so much for joining us on the Shalom Yall Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoyed this visit to the gates of Jerusalem. On your next visit to the city, Take a walk atop the old walls and explore the many great gates of the city. Shalom, y'all. Shalom, y'all.